Thank you, Lord. Boy, it's easy just to slip off into Never Never Land with <clears throat> that kind of praise. Let's give the praise and worship team a hand this morning. You guys, I'm telling y'all, the singers, I mean, there's more people up there now than there's ever been. They must all like you, Haley. <laughs> no, seriously, y'all are doing a great, phenomenal job. Uh, you know, you take all the fluff and everything out of music and it comes down to singing and worshiping and playing with a heart like David. And uh, David was a man after God's own heart, but David was a musician. Do you know that? <clears throat> David was the chief musician. David was the one that the prophets would say, the prophets would say, send me a minstrel. It's so much easier sometimes when we're doing what we're doing when a team like we've got is really even more tuned in now than, than they've been in a long time and, and just been really stepping into a whole nother level. It's easy to hear from God in an atmosphere like that. Now, how many of you <clears throat> this morning, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you were receiving things for your own personal life in that atmosphere this morning? I mean, even a word or maybe a sentence or maybe you got a vision or something like that. It's easier to really... You know, tap into what God's saying when you step into that realm. You know why? Because music does something. It, it, it loosens the things in our life and it allows us to step into that place that you step into by faith. It's just easier sometimes to do it with music. And I'm telling y'all, y'all were just there this morning. Amen? Now before we go any further, you got anything? Because you're you looking at me laughing and I just said, you got anything? Nothing at all. You sure? You got anything, Lyson? No, sir. Bill, you got anything? Casey? Matthew chapter 16. Me and Morris got to talk this morning. I figured I'd let the other elders get a word in. <clears throat> Morris and I are the, uh, are the uh, well, Langston too, are the, really the preachers of the bunch. So sometimes you have to tell us to shut up because we'll just talk, 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 talk. This is what I do for a living now, you know. Matthew chapter 16. My mama used to say, you could argue with a tree. I said, well, no, that's not really. And I'd sit there and argue with her about that. Matthew chapter 16, that's where we've been. I'm going to hit something this morning <clears throat> that even in my study time this week and even in this morning, just seeing some things that I've never seen before, uh, I don't know if, you'll, if we'll really scratch the surface of it, but we're going, to get, we're going to get after it. We're just going to see what the Lord wants to do. But in Matthew chapter 16, we've talked about the church. We've talked about Jesus building the church. We've talked about Peter. We've talked about us as New Covenant Church. We've talked about the gates of hell not prevailing against us. We've talked about those things, so we're not going to take time to review. But in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says, Who do men say that I am, the Son of Man? In verse 14, they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter. 
And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And when you start talking about the subject of binding and loosing, you know, it's interesting to me that sometimes when Jesus would say something, we'll make doctrines and sermons and books and entire denominations off of some of the things that Jesus said. But then you come to a verse like this where Jesus looked and said, whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven, or what will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I can probably count on one hand the number of times that I've heard someone talk about that subject in a corporate setting like this. And to me, if Jesus said it, it's important, right? All right, so go to Matthew chapter 18. Now, one of the things you got to realize when we start trying to get into kind of this subject of binding and loosing, really what you're talking about is the authority of the church. Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father is in heaven, and I on this rock, I will build my church. And so Jesus indicated to Peter and to us that he was building the church based on that revelation of who God was, who Jesus was, and how that revelation came to Peter, all that encompasses what he said. And he said that I would build my church on that rock, meaning little rock. Peter is a little rock. The, G, Jesus is the rock. And so that word, I think it's Petrus, is a fragment of the bigger rock. So he said, on this rock I'll build my church. And on the day of Pentecost, on that rock began the culmination of the church being built at the day of Pentecost. Started with the Apostle Peter. So having said all of that, you've got to understand the context and the light of everything that's going on. And it's real easy to look at the Word and really pick out what you want and throw away what you don't want. And so when you talk about binding and loosing, when you're talking about the authority of the church, people will say, now listen to me, people will say, that that authority was only given to the 12 apostles. That that was only given to them for a specific period of time until the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and then you don't need it no more. All right? Well, to those, I want to say this. Matthew chapter 18. Jesus begins to talk about who the greatest is. The disciples begin to talk. Then he talks about the offenses, warns against offense, talks about the parable of the lost sheep. And in verse 15, he begins to deal with the sinning brother. And he says, Moreover, brother, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Now I'm going to take a little side journey. Is that okay? Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Who is doing the telling? The one who's offended. And who is he telling this to? His prayer group? No. His neighbor? No. Who is it? To the individual that caused the offense. Is that in a group of crowded group of people? No, it's him alone. 
If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to hear even the church, let him be to you like a heathen and tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, if Jesus, if that thought permeates religion and says, well, you don't have the authority to bind and loose, that was just the apostles. That was just the, the 12 disciples. That's it. Because after that, they only had that power for a limited time. Then that tells me that I don't have no more, I don't have to do the rest of this. Right? That's what it says. If that's true, then when Jesus stood and said, Go to Jerusalem and wait, for you shall be endued with power, and then you will be my witnesses. If that's true, then I don't have to be his witnesses anymore. Do you see what I'm saying? How you can take verses and spend it. Let me tell you why this subject is so controversial. Because you cannot understand binding and loosing. You cannot understand the authority of the church if you and I don't understand the Holy Spirit and its role in our life. If we don't understand the Word of God and its role in our life, if we don't understand, then we will rationalize it with our mind and we will move on to other things and totally discard what God had intended. Did He or did He not say, whatever you bind on earth would be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth would be loosed in heaven. Now let me say this. Jesus said that to Peter but he said it to all of us, okay? He said it to Peter right after Peter had spoken out of the unction that God had given him, the divine revelation that God had did something on the inside of him and gave him that revelation. And Peter stood up and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said it with such boldness. He said it with the same the Hebrew scholars, Greek and Hebrew scholars would tell you that he said it with such boldness it was just as bold as when God said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He said it with the same tenacity. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He obeyed the unction that was given him by, the, by God. God revealed it to him. Peter was obedient and spoke it. And so then Jesus said, Whatever you bind on earth would be bound in heaven. Now he said that in the confines of relationship. And I want you to understand something. Before we go any further about binding and loosing, you cannot bind and you cannot loose if it's contrary to the Word of God. I read something this morning when I, when I got up. And uh, I'm going to tell you what, that was some flaky mess that I read online. Some spiritual website I just was kind of Googling and just kind of seeing what was out there this morning. And it was some crazy stuff. First of all, it's not scriptural. It's got to be scriptural. John chapter 1 says this. Go to John chapter 1. I want you to see it. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the Holy Begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You cannot bind or loose. You cannot step into your authority as a believer if it steps outside the confines of the Word of God. Do you follow me on that? 
So don't come up to me and say, Pastor, man, I have bound that debt up and cast it out in the name of Jesus. Well, you, you, can't, you can't do that if you're not being truthful and paying your obligations like the Word is talking about. You can't just act like something's going to go away. You can't bind or lose something or take authority over something just because it sounds good to you. It's got to line up with the Word of God. Now, you know I'll be a stickler for the Word, and so it's got to line up with the Word of God. Even the Holy Spirit revealing something to you will always line up with the Word of God. And if it don't, then you just had some bad pizza or gas. It will line up. It's got to line up. The Spirit and the Word agree is what the Scripture tells us, and it will always do that. If it doesn't, this is your litmus test. This right here is your litmus test right here. Now, debt is a mountain, and so we speak to the mountain of debt on this church. We speak to the mountain of debt that it be removed and be cast into sea, but at the same time, we maintain our integrity and we honor what we said on that day when we signed that note, and we honor what we said when we signed it, and so we make that check payable every month. But every time we make that check, and every Sunday we pay, and every Sunday we stand up here, and we say, in the name of Jesus, we call those things that be not as though they were. We're operating in the confines and in line with God's Word, and when we do that, we unleash heaven. Now, binding and loosing is not the drive-through for Christians in, in the spirit world. Does that make sense? Uh, we, we will probably leave here this afternoon because Mama and Brim Brim are at home because Brim Brim was, I don't know, she had some kind of something, pain going on in her stomach. I mean, well, I, um, she, we just didn't sleep. And, then, uh, and so we prayed and set ourselves in agreement and she finally went to sleep. And that thing was loosed off of her and, and she went right to sleep. Well, when we leave here, we're probably going to run through some drive-thru and get, you know, get, my, get Hannah and Laney something to eat because they're going to be starving because, you know, kids are always starving after church. I'll be starving too. I'm more sleepy than I am hungry, so I'll pass on the food and just take a nap. Somebody wants to drive me home. But I said that to say that we'll go through the drive-thru, we'll order it real quick, we'll get back on the road, and you won't even hardly miss the fact that we did, you know what I'm saying, we're not going to sit down. We go right through the drive-thru. Well, in, in our world, we think like that. Well, I'll just pull up to the drive-thru and say, uh, Holy Spirit, I want this, this, and this in the name of Jesus, and we go on down the way, and it doesn't work that way all the time. If, if, if it worked that way, oh, there's a reason why they call it fast food. Well, this isn't a fast confession. This isn't a fast binding and loosening. And there are, there are times when those things happen. You understand what I'm saying? But that's, that's the exception, not the rule. Anybody can believe God for five minutes. How can you believe God for 50 years? And so when you start talking about this subject, you've got to open that up. Listen, it's about the authority of the church. Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys and whatever who binds... Whatever who binds will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, who's loosened, will be loosed on earth. Then why aren't we doing more of that?
Go to Matthew chapter 18 since we're there. Let's stay right there in Matthew chapter 18. The parable of the unforgiving servant is in Matthew chapter 18. And in verse 27, he said, Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him from his debt. That's the same word that Jesus used two chapters earlier and in that chapter. Whatever you lose, when you lose somebody, you forgive them. When you, you, you're permitting the, the, uh, the Hebrew, uh, not the Hebrews, scholars, the, um, the rabbis, the, the rabbi thinking with binding and loosing is actually forbidding and permitting. That's what it is. When you bind something, you forbid it. When you lose something, you are permitting it. Listen to me, guys. God has given us the authority to forbid and permit things upon this earth. Well, why are things happening? Well, we don't always need to just look to God and say, why did you let this happen? Because he goes, because I gave you the keys and you did nothing about it. Now, I'll get burned at the stake for saying that sometime. People have. Well, you're saying you're God. No, I'm not. He said that we are sons of God. He said that I'm giving you the keys. I'm giving you the authority. Okay, so last night, let me give you a for instance. No, hold that thought. Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 13 because this is the best exa- one of the best examples to me. Luke chapter 13. Well, you know, Pastor, he's talking about loosing people from sin and binding sin. Well, first of all, sin has been bound. Sin has been dealt with. I don't see where he says for us to bind sin. What I see is for us to loose people that are in sin. And the only reason, the only way you can loose them is presenting the gospel to them and they see the light and that's where the power comes. That's where he said, whom the Son sets free in John's gospel is free indeed, is talking about sin. Sin was dealt with. People that are in sin or those that have been bound up with sin, all of us have been tempted with sin. The bound up, the, you know, you're tied up, we're just going, we're just, you know, that's tied up in sin. That's all of that is illegal trespassing. Sin has no hold on us except that which we give it because we don't understand and we don't walk in the light and the revelation of who the Son sets free is free indeed. Now, if you don't know Jesus, if you've, not, if you've not given the lordship of your life over to Him, then you have every right to be bound by sin because you're not walking in that freedom. But the price has already been paid. The freedom has already been granted. You just got to receive it by faith and then walk in it. Does that make sense? All right, so Luke chapter 13, verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath... And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called to her and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was straight and glorified God. 
Loosing and binding has more to do with us walking in that level of authority that Jesus did. If you want to know what we are to bind and what we are to loose, then look at the life of Jesus because He is our example. He's the master. And so we follow His example. We live our lives in accordance with what He did. There was one time where Peter said, Lord, the taxes are due. And he said, Who pays? How does the son pay the taxes to his father? And he said, But nevertheless, lest we offend someone, go down to the sea and throw your net or throw the, throw the uh, bait, you know, get your bait caster out and throw it out there with your beetle spin or whatever's on there and catch that fish. And when you pull that fish up, there'll be enough money in the fish to pay for our taxes. What did he do? He loosed that thing in the natural. That is an example of what Jesus did. So when we all go home today, we need to be praying. Lord, when we go fishing later on this week, we want to catch some money as well. You understand what I'm saying? Don't, don't, just, don't just take it for face value. Don't just take it for what we, our religious minds have always been taught. Let's look at it from the life of Jesus. Jesus was sitting there. He was meditating. First of all, he walked in communion with God. And so God gave him instructions. He told Peter. He went and did it. And the provision was there. What happened? He loosed the provision. So Jesus, in Luke chapter 13, is dealing with this woman. And he says, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmities. What was it that caused him to do that? Well, he was led by the Spirit. Romans tells us that for many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Jesus was the epitome of that. Jesus, he said, I do nothing except what I see my Father do. I say nothing except what I hear my Father say. I don't walk into every situation. Okay, we are to lay hands on the sick, right? And they are to... To recover, that's what the Bible says. But if you take that and you don't read it in line and in context with the whole Word of God, if you take that verse out of context, then every one of us should lay hands on every person that's sick and expect that every person that's sick should be raised up. Jesus didn't do that. So there's your religious cow. Let's just go ahead and kick that over. No, Jesus didn't heal everybody. How many other sick people were around him that day? How many people were at the pool of Bethesda? Thousands of people. And he walked through all of them to get to one man. Why? Because in, in the grand scheme of everything in life, he was led by the Spirit of God. You cannot do anything binding and loosing outside the confines of the Word of God. But guess what? You can't do it outside the confines of being led by the Spirit of God, which always agree with the Word of God. You can't do it outside of that. That's why sometimes when, when we're up here, when I'm up here, like this morning, and I'm walking around and I'm, you, know, you hear me praying or you hear me singing, I'm endeavoring to feel out, sense what the Lord is wanting to do. I don't want to do anything because it sounds good. We don't want to do anything because it's gimmicky because then the anointing's not on it. We want to do it because it's an unction from the Holy Spirit to do it. Uh, they begin to sing uh, that rain song, and the whole praise and worship team stepped into a whole nother level of worship and begin to worship out of their spirit and begin to worship with their instruments that was unchoreographed and was not rehearsed. How did they do that? Because they stepped over into the, into the realm of who they really are by being led by the spirit. And so sometimes we rush through those things. Sometimes we go right past them. Because we're such in a hurry. Rather, if we slow down and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, He may want to say some things to us. 
Binding and loosing is something that God has given us. Jesus, the head of the church, told us to do it so it would behoove us to understand what it is and how to operate in it and when to do it. You can't do that without this and without the Holy Spirit. The word binding means to bind together to anything. It means to fasten. It means to bind someone's hands or someone's feet, to put them in bonds. It means to deprive of liberty. So he said, you could say like this, whatever you deprive of liberty here on earth will be deprived of liberty in heaven. Luke chapter 14 maybe. Luke chapter 12, somewhere around there. Jesus sends the disciples out. They come back and they were amazed. Lord, even the demons obey us in your name. When when you bind something up, when you take your spiritual authority and you bind something up in the spirit, you're binding something, you're binding the prince of the air. That's what... uh, that's what the scripture tells the, the prince of the air in Revelation that, that works in the sons of disobedience. You're binding that thing, the authority for that thing to move and operate in your life. But if you don't know that, you haven't understood that, then you can't do that and he could take advantage of us. He said, he said, do not be deceived lest the enemy take advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. His whole device is to deceive us and to lie to us. Well, you know you're never going to get healed from that. You're absolutely right. I'm never going to get healed from that. You know why? Because I've already been healed from it. Well, you know, you're never going to get out from underneath that debt. You know, you're just always going to live your life in debt. No. I'm going to live my life in freedom. Why? Because who the Son sets free is free indeed. He's already provided. He said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. As you're prospering in your soul, as you're prospering in your relationship with the Lord, you will begin to see the prosperity in your natural life, in your health, and in your spirit, in, in, your, in your financial life. The enemy always comes in to try to deceive. And so binding and loosing, why is that such a big deal? You know, <clears throat> we talked in our young adults class the other day, Wednesday night, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And it was, it's been said, why do we make it such a big deal? And I've had, I mean, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had as a young teenager in those kind of conversations. Why is it made such a big deal? Well, first of all, we don't make it a big deal. He made it a big deal. That's like people who say, well, you know, salvation's not a big deal. Why do we make salvation a big deal? Because it's a big deal. He said you will be endued with power. So we come in and we, we receive this wonderful gift, the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes upon the earth, and immediately the enemy begins to deceive and begins to twist and begins to taint and begins to why? Because that's where the power is. The power, why do we not hear teaching on binding? Why are we not functioning in our authority? Because the enemy knows that we have authority over him, so if he can veil of us of that authority, then we can do no damage in the kingdom of darkness. 
So last night, so, you know, we went to bed, then we got up. And we went to bed, we got up. Well, Lainey's ear was hurting. I don't, I, I, we've never had earache problems with any of our girls, never. I've, I remember when I was a little kid, I might have one earache problem, but that was it. But that's excruciating pain. You know what I'm saying? It's like a tooth. It's worse than a tooth because it's inside your head. You can't do anything about it. And she was just, I mean, just, it was tormenting. And so, you know, we're tired. We're both just exhausted. We had just got done, you know, she had, we, she had did this all night long. She had come to us. We'd given her some medicine. We'd prayed for her and we sent her back. You know, sometimes you can pray for somebody. Now, I'm saying this as, you, as, as your pastor. Sometimes you just get into, well, in the name of Jesus, I just rebuke that thing. Until it, you know, not that I didn't have any power in it. Or not that I didn't say what was truth to the Word of God. But how many of you know Jesus didn't heal everybody the same? He told one guy to go dip in the river. And then he told one guy, said, <laughs> rubbed it on his eyes. Then he lay hands on the woman. You're loosed. So, we, you know, we're tired. Anybody in here been tired at 2 o'clock in the morning, 2.30, 3 o'clock, 3.30, 4 o'clock, 4.30? I finally went to bed at 5.30, slept for 30 minutes and got up and tried to make some coffee. You ever done that? You're not in your greatest form. You're not going, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I think of Jesus. No, you're tired. So we're laying there. <laughs> so we're laying there and, and Brynn starts, I mean, she just starts screaming. She just starts crying, Daddy, my, my tummy hurt, my tummy hurt, my tummy hurt. And so I get her up and I said, well, you want, to get a, you want to get a bath? And we didn't know, I mean, we'd never had this. And, you know, she had to go to the potty. So she went to the potty, she got in the bathtub, she was fine. But then Lainey woke up and she was just, I mean, excruciating pain, just crying. And I said, well, get in the bed. And I'd hold her and pray over and rub her back. And Mom would pray over it. And it just, it was not going away. And I'm sitting there, and I'm praying, and I'm meditating, and I'm going, Lord, what in the world? What in the world is going on? And the Lord said, blow in her ear. You know how you can blow your hot breath, you know? Blow your breath. Just blow in her ear. And tell that thing to be loosed. He said, you're going to be talking about binding and loosing. You're going to need an example, so tell them how to loose it. So I'm thinking, now, if this don't work, I can't use this on Sunday morning, you know? <clears throat> So all this is going on in my brain at 3.30 in the morning after, you know, after Valentine's Day. Any of you have a good Valentine's Day? And so I, and so I, le- I re- reach my hand over there and I said, in the name of Jesus, I bind this thing that's in operation and I loose the life and the nature of God that is within her and I breathed in her ear three times and she went to sleep. Just like that. And she's here this morning. You saw her. She said, now when I swallow or I breathe out, sometimes it hurts. She said, but immediately it goes back to being fine, Daddy. And I said, well, thank you, Lord Jesus. I said all that to say, you can't just script and have your little cards and say, okay, well, for a knee problem, we've got to say this and do this and it'll work. You can't do that. You've got to be led by the Spirit of God. But the point is that we have authority in this natural realm. Sometimes it happens immediately. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time. 
Sometimes it takes a long time. But the authority still exists and still dominates in this natural realm. We were on vacation one time. And I remember <clears throat> it was Laney. It was Laney. No, it was Hannah. And I remember we were at the beach. And Hannah began to run fever and get sick. And, you know, we did, you know, we we're praying. So I've learned not to just launch out and begin to bind and loose and do all that. I've learned to really tap into what the Holy Spirit is saying. Okay, what are you saying right now, Lord? What's going on with her and what's going on? He said, lay your hands on her and you take authority over that thing that's trying to, trying to afflict her while you guys are on vacation. You rebuke that thing and you declare the life of God that resides on the inside of her. So me and Mama... And, and uh, Laney, we laid hands on her. We bound that thing up, and she was fine. The rest of the trip, she was fine. Why? How, why? What's the difference between that and last night? The difference is being led and being sensitive to the Spirit of God. But the whole purpose of it is to walk in alignment with the authority that Jesus has given us. He said, I'm giving you the keys, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Some of the things in your life and in my life are never going to be bound unless we bind them and are never going to be loosed unless we loose them. And guess what, sports fans? It happens on earth, then it happens in heaven. You bind it on earth and you take authority and then when that's done, then the ministering spirits, Hebrew says, have been dispatched. And they go to heaven and they say, okay, that thing can't work. Now, I don't mean heaven. I don't mean heaven as when we're going, when we, when we go to be with Jesus. I'm talking about in the heavenly realm. That word heaven, that word on, on earth as in heaven is the, is the air. It's the heavenly, the spiritual realm. And so when you bind that thing in earth, it's bound in the spirit. Whenever you loose that thing on the earth, then it's loosed in the spirit. That tells me two things. Number one, I got to speak it before I see it. And number two, when I speak it, it's going to take a little time for it to get back down and come back down on earth. Does that make sense? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, in the spirit realm. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in the spirit realm. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time. Sometimes it don't. Sometimes it does. But it doesn't matter. What comes up? When you talk about the word binding... It's funny, I don't want, you don't have to turn there for time's sake, but Judges 15, then Samson went and caught 300 foxes and he took torches, turned the foxes tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. 300 foxes. What did he do? He took those foxes and he bound their tails together. And he stuck torches in between them and sent them off running. Could you imagine what that would look like? How is that even possible? How did Samson do anything that was possible? But he did. That's the same word as binding. And I like that example because he didn't just bind two or three foxes. Now he went 300. It says that he killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Some people say, man, that was some man. No, that was some jawbone. That was some God. That's the same God that we serve. The word loose is the one that we used in Luke chapter 13. The same word loosed in Matthew chapter 18 where he said that he would be loose from those things, from his, uh, 
from his uh, debts. And what's, what I like is the fact that he said, whatever. What's that mean? Is there any stipulations to whatever? The only stipulation is the Word and the Spirit. That's the only stipulation. I can't bind up Casey Spearman, you know, if he's doing something. I can't bind him up because that would be violating his free will and his authority. But if we're together or we're around each other, I can bind that thing that's in operation in him. Why? Because he's with me. I remember a story, um, <clears throat> and I've seen this play out in different areas. I know that you, if you ever go to uh, uh, Brother Bill and Miss Carol's house, there's a spirit of peace there. If you go to Langston and Inez, there's a spirit. If you go to Casey and Michelle's, there's a spirit of peace there. I don't care how bad you're fussing. I don't care how bad you're arguing. You come to any of those houses, you are subjecting yourself to that atmosphere. It's not the other way around. Because when, that, when you submerge yourself in that atmosphere, you're coming in line with the authority of that atmosphere. That's why it does so good to invite people over to your house. If you, you know, if you got a house of peace, that is. You invite people over, you bring them in your home because you're subjecting them, you're giving them a taste, you're giving them, you can't, you can't put words on that, you can't quantify that feeling and you leave there going, what was, that? what was that all about? That's called authority and dominion. That's called someone who's realized and recognized that as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. So when he says, I'm passing this on to the church, I'm passing on this authority, the Greek construction behind will be bound and will be loosed indicates this, you ready? That Jesus is the one who has activated the provision through his cross. The church is then charged with implementation of what he has released through his life, death, and resurrection. We've been charged with that responsibility. No longer should you go in a room and be subjected to that authority. You subject that room to your authority and your rule. Now, I don't mean you walk in there with your chest puffed out. April asked me that last night. We were listening to a song, and this guy was talking about puffing his chest out. She said, did you do that when you was little? I said, shoot, I still do that now. What are you talking about? You don't walk into somebody else's domain and puff your chest out and say, I've arrived, and everybody's going to be under my... That's not what I'm talking about. But don't be scared to go into the world. Light and darkness cannot mix. So either one of two things is going to happen. You're going to walk in and you're going to feel impressed by the Lord to leave because no one's receptive or then people are going to get changed. One of the two. You subject yourself. You walk into a, uh, an atmosphere. When you walk into your job, okay, everybody in here has got a job, right? If you don't, we'll, we'll, help, we'll believe God to get you one. You've got a job. Then when you walk into that place of employment, you have authority. Now you may not have authority in every realm, but... Where the Spirit of the Lord is, you walk into that atmosphere, you declare liberty and freedom. And I promise you, if you wake up and you begin to walk in line with God's Word in that mindset, then when you, when you go to work, people will start asking you questions without you even asking them. 
They'll start pouring their life out to you without you having to say a word because they want the freedom that you got. People are starving and craving for what we've got. Everything that the world craves is in Jesus, and we got it. We got the freedom. We've got the liberty. We've got the power and the authority and the dominion to loose people. I sat and ate lunch with a guy the other day, and, and he just went on and on about some things that he was dealing with. And I said, do you believe that God has a plan for your life? And he said, yes. And I said, well, then why aren't you walking in that, in that plan? He said, well, I got sidetracked, and this is going on, this is going on. I said, you know what you need? He said, what? I said, you need a home church. That's what you need. You need a local church because everything in the Bible, in the New Testament, proceeds out of the life of the local body. Jesus went and, and said, go into all the world and preach the gospel and establish my covenant. And so what they do, they begin to, they begin to plant churches. The Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, was an apostolic church-planting machine. So if you have a problem with the local church, then you got a problem with the Bible. Everything that we, that we, that we do with, within ourselves, within the life of the body of believers, is done inside the confines of the local church. That's why I love the local church. I didn't used to. I wanted to travel around and fly jets and preach and blow in, blow up, blow out and go home. But now, I don't want to do that. Why? Because this, man, this is where the power is right here. This right here, the local body. We got together Friday night, and I have to commend y'all because they was rowdy. They was a bunch of rowdy people. Friday night, play one day, Mr. Timmy. Mr. Timmy said they was all going to have to come to confession. Sunday because they were so rowdy. I mean, they was rowdy. And they was all, I mean, so loud you couldn't even hardly say. I walked over there and I tapped on the table and they all looked at me and I said, every one of you, I better be shouting and dancing in church Sunday morning. And they were. You cannot quantify that right there, can you? How many of you were there Friday night? You can't quantify it. What do I mean? You can't put a value on that. That's part of the experience that you only get from the local church. You can't do that by watching it online. You can't get and gleam everything that God has for you by just being recluse and online and sending your tithe to somebody that you don't go to church there. But you do online. No, that's not what God intended. This is where the authority, this is where the power, this is where the dominion. Guess what, guys? He gave the church the authority. Not Superman, not Batman, not Thor or Iron Man. He gave the church. Maybe I should preach a, a sermon on the Avengers. The body of Christ, the Avengers. That is who he gave the power to. Collectively, we function, we operate, we walk, we minister together. We, one's got this gift and one's got this gift and one's got a song and one's got a hymn and we all come together and it's like a beautiful sheet of music that's being played for the glory of God out there. And so I'm sitting in this, and then listen to me. I'm going to give you two examples and, and then I'll close. The authority and the dominion. And walking and binding and loosing. And so I'm sitting there at lunch with this guy. And, and I'm talking to him. And the Holy Spirit begins to reveal things to me. 
And so I just begin to share them. I didn't go, I need everybody in the room to be quiet because the Holy Spirit is speaking. Mm-hmm. No. I just begin to share and declare things that I begin to see and He began to break right there. And I said, I don't care where you go to church. I mean, I'd love for you to come visit and come with us. Come be a part of what we're doing because I think we're a good fit. I think we can help you. We've got some great men. We've got some great women that can help minister to your fiance. It can help minister to you and your children. But I said, regardless of where you go, you need to go where God's leading you. But I said, you need to go. I can say this, thus saith the Lord, go somewhere and get plugged in somewhere. And so the other day at, at the house we were praying and we were just, I don't know, it was just one of those times. We were just real sweet prayer time. Me and April, we were just talking. And so, you know, I got up and did that spiritual thing. I went to the restroom and um, I came back. The Lord always talks to me in the shower and in the restroom and on the lawnmower. Anybody else? And, um, and so I came back and I said, I've, let me just tell you what I sensed the Lord saying. And I just began to prophesy to her right there. She prophesies to me all the time. But I just began to really declare some things over her that I believe the Lord was sharing. That's the authority. That's the dominion that I'm talking about. Sharing that and declaring that and doing that outside of church. I mean, it's good when we do it in church. It is. We don't forsake that. But the purpose, of, I believe, of that and, and home to smaller churches, connect group, is to get so much practice that when we walk through Walmart, it just becomes second nature. Hey, how you doing? What's your name? Bill. Listen, I don't want you to you know, think this is strange or anything, but I just feel like the Lord told me to tell you that He loves you and, and He wants to bless you, and I just want to buy you, buy you groceries. Now tell me, that person ain't ready to hear what you've got to say. I took this guy for lunch, paid for his lunch. He sat there. It was amazing. He sat there and listened the whole time to me talk and smiled real big. Why? Because I fed him. There is a level of authority and dominion. Now, and I told you we'd only scratch the surface. There is a level of authority in binding and loosing that the church is grasping and stepping into in a way that we've never done before. And I believe that we did in the early days, and now we're coming into that latter reign. We're coming into that season where we begin to declare and begin to bind and begin to loose things in the earth. Guys, listen, he's asking for a few good men and women. That's who we are. That's what he's at. The commission and the authority and the dominion has gone out. It's already gone out to us. He's asking us to step up and to begin to do and to continue to do what he did and what he set the precedent for here on earth. He's asking us to do it. I want to say one more thing. Mark eleven twenty three and 24, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Mark eleven twenty three and 24. And we'll close with this. Now you can get into excess. You can get into the ditch on either side. You can get so consumed with binding and loosing, you begin to bind and loose everything in, under the sun. 
And you can get on the religious side of it where you don't think that anything is in your control and you're just subject to whatever. Both are destructive and both limits your power and authority here on this earth. Mark 11, 23 and 24. You ready? For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. You know, it's interesting. He said the word say about three times and believe once in verse 23. There's an asking. There's a petitioning. There's a declaring. There is something that takes place in the life of a believer when he's in covenant with God Almighty that you don't get outside that confine of relationship. You understand what I'm saying? Stand with me. There's something that happens. There's something that transpires when we are in relationship and we can come to God and we can ask for things in prayer. That's binding and loosing. What are you binding in your job? What are you binding in your home? What are you loosening in your job? What are you loosening in your home? Now, there's no way you're going to understand all this. There's no way I'm going to understand all this from one sermon. No, you're going to have to go home and you're going to have to become a student of God's Word. You're going to have to say, Lord, teach me about this. What do I do? But don't fall for the lie that you don't have the authority. Don't fall for the lie because that's exactly what he wants. That's exactly what religion wants because the religion makes the word of God of no effect. Well, you're just acting like God. Well, yeah. I mean, he's my daddy. I want to be like my daddy. And you know what, guys? Well, I'm, you're just, oh my, oh. Well, you're just going to, I mean, you're just going to go around and doing all that kind of stuff. Well, you know what? My dad is a big God, and he's got a big belt, and if he needs to give me a spanking, he will. If he needs to bring me an adjustment, and he will, and he has, and he does, and he will adjust me and say, now, son, isn't that what a father does? A good father? You know what, guys? Uh, if, if, if the only time we let our children do something is when they can do it well, we're never gonna, they're never going to do anything. We're going to limit them. Why? Because they're going to make mistakes. That's what grace and mercy is for. Peter stepped out of the boat, began to walk, began to sink, got his eyes off of Jesus, got up for Jesus. He said, Father, save me. And Jesus saved him. See, the, set, the grace and the mercy's there. But then comes the correction. Why did you doubt? What do you mean doubt? I walked on the water for a little while. That's what the issue, see, the issue was not even, the issue wasn't even the miracle. The issue was you doubted. You did not believe. You, you, you were doing it and you, listen, God is well able and capable of adjusting you and adjusting me if we get out of line. That's what a good father does. But we as his children, we as his servants, I promise you, what was the illustration we used the other night? You did. Where said David, David said something and his soldiers heard him. He said, I'm thirsty. I would give to drink water from uh, Bethlehem. Casey, what was it? The well from... Uh, 
I want to drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. He just said that. He wasn't telling this soldier to do it. And they loved him, and so they went out, and they got him a, a glass of water. Went through the enemy's camp, got him a glass of water, and came back. And he said, I cannot drink this, and he poured it out as an offering to God. See, let me, let me say it to you this way. I would much rather tell you to slow down than to speed up. Me as a father, as a spiritual father, I would rather tell you to I would much rather be able to say, oh, and that's, I mean, you don't have to get everybody filled with the Spirit today. You know, you can't push a rope. I would rather rein you in. I would rather the Lord rein me in than have to push me to do something. Step out there and do it. Step out there. You've got the Spirit of God. You've got the life of God living in you. You've got the Spirit of the Son of God. You've got that Spirit. You've been made the Son of God. You've been made the righteousness of God. He calls you Son. He calls you friend. Step out there and declare some of those things. So what if you miss it? Hebrews chapter 11 is the great hall of faith and is full of people that missed it. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham. I mean, everything we're dealing with over in the Middle East is his fault. Not really, but you know what I'm saying. Sarah, the Bible attributes her and says she received strength to conceive a child because she judged him faithful who promised. You read the beginning of that over in Genesis, that ain't true. She laughed. Moses, I like David. David was an adulterous murderer. And yet he was called a man after God's own heart. So the moral of the story is, so what if you miss it? There's redemption, there's grace, there's mercy. He would rather you step out by faith than not do anything at all. Recognize and realize that the authority that God has given Jesus, He gave to us and transferred to us, provided the, provided the power and the uh, mechanism by which to continue to implement His will on this earth. But it's our job. Whatever we bind, we'll be bound. Whatever we loose, we'll be loosed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank You. Father, right now, in accordance with Your Word, You said that the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore for the Lord of the harvest to send, to loose laborers. And so, Father, we corporately together pray that you loose laborers in this community, that you loose the laborers to send across their path. And, Lord, we recognize that we are part of those laborers. And so, Father, we be sensitive to the Holy Spirit that when we're out and about and we're walking and we're talking and we're conducting our lives, that we will be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit would want us to say or to do in the world, in the community. 
Father, I thank you that the prince of the power of the air has no authority over us. The one that works in the sons of disobedience, he has no authority over us. For we walk in a light and in the freedom that only comes through the blood of Jesus. And with that authority and with that freedom, we take dominion on this earth for your glory and for your people that you so graciously and lovingly gave your Son, Jesus Christ, so that all may come to that knowledge. For you said you wish that none should perish, but that all come to the knowledge. And so, Father, we thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that you are going to help us and lead us and guide us into how to bind and to loose in our lives. Begin to teach us on a greater level about the authority that we have individually and corporately in our lives and in the life of our community. We thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, that we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And so we leave here today with that mindset, knowing that we walk in a level of authority that's been commissioned by the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ, your Son. And you, O God, are wonderful and glorious and great, and we honor you and worship you. For you are the one that created heaven and earth. This is all yours and we walk under that lordship and with that mindset as an ambassador. And so I loose you today as an ambassador for the kingdom of God. Go out there and begin to declare everything that God has said for us. Everything that God has said for them. And everybody in the church declared with one voice together. Amen. Amen.